G'day everybody and welcome to the Punters Preamble. It's Phil in here, aka Jake Altieri, stepping into the chair once again for Simon Dinopoulos, who's down there hopefully backing a few winners at Hobart on Friday night and Sunday. But Adam Blanco is here to keep the ship running. Blinks, who is the highest rated horse this weekend and where are they racing? They're racing here. We didn't need to go scouring the globe this time. It's fairly obvious it is... Animo, no horse has won more Group 1s in a blue jacket than Animo. That's worldwide, you know that? I think you mentioned that in one of the preambles last year, or maybe it was... The Cox Plate was the um, the record breaker. There you go. He's one of nine Group 1 winners in the Apollo, which is the most that there has been in, a, in an Apollo this century. Topples the 2006 edition won by Ike's Dream, which had eight Group 1 winners in it. I think that says probably more about how liberally we give out Group 1s these days rather than the, the quality of the field. But I think it is a very much up-to-scratch edition of the Apollo. They're not a, particularly looking at that early market, not a uh, particularly interesting betting race, would that be fair to say? I think Animo marks himself clear favourite. Um, he looks priced up as if he's going to be at his absolute best or near enough, and maybe that's fair enough. And there doesn't look a lot of speed there. I don't see value in anything, really. In fact, the only horse I see value in at all, is Laws of Indices, who looks a, a little bit big on straight numbers. He was pretty good behind Animo and a Cox Plate, and he was good chasing two two of the best horses in Hong Kong and two horses that are being thrown up as global superstars in Hong Kong, and that number should fit him in here somewhere. But like I said, I, show, I can see value in him, but I, you know, the numbers are telling me there's, there's a bit of juice in that price. $18 early? Are we 18 we are. The market we're looking at now, Animo, $1.75 currently from Mawunga, El Bodegon. What's he doing there? Uh, Fangirl, Hinged, Ice Bath and Laws of Indices, $18. Hmm. Yeah, so as I said, on the on the face of it, that's too big. But I, I see that and I still pass on the race because I'm a little bit iffy. But I did, do you know how many winners have come from Chartin to Ramwick this century? Let me guess. Have a guess. Below three. <laughs> One below three, yes, two. Oh, I was going to say two. Whoa, well, that's a good get. Can you name them? Wouldn't have been uh, Chautauqua, would it? No. Uh, it was... Is this going to be before my a- time? Oh, yeah, Aomen and Thunder Fantasy. Oh, yeah, I remember So them. the interesting thing about them is only one trainer has been able to pull off the shot into Ramwick feet successfully, Anthony Cummings. And he does not train laws of indices. <laughs> He does look, he, I must admit, when I was pouring down this rabbit hole, um, he does look a little bit like Criterion. So Criterion chased a big one-two punch in Hong Kong. He chased uh, designs on Roman military attack, ran third at the international meeting, and he came back and his first up run at Ramwick was in the Canterbury Stakes where he ran third, which seems good, but he was, I did know that he was well and truly off his form. Horses across the board, and not just Ramwick, but coming to Metropolitan Sydney, or Melbourne, I think. Uh, Metropolitan Sydney or Melbourne straight off Chartin have improved one finish position on average. So based on that, Laws of Indices will run second to Animo. Is that what we're <laughs> expecting? Is, well, he, is he just coming out and winning Animo? I don't. I, as I said, I, I think he's being priced up as if he's near enough to his best. I don't see any, I don't see any value in taking D-Pods on about him, but I fully concede that he's something like a toss of a coin. I think it probably sets, you know, beyond my pricing up, it probably sets up pretty well from him. A lot of these are fairly slow, so he's just going to 
cruise in front of a, a lot of those horses. It so re- he's probably the best horse, and I'm looking at it and thinking he's the best horse, and he's going to get a lot of the favours. So that's a it's a pretty sweet scenario, I suppose. He's got the best trainer. Racing and sports power rankings will tell you he's got the best trainer in the country at the moment in James Cummings. Fairly clear cut, I think. And the jockey ranks, it's absolutely clear cut that James McDonald is the best jockey. So he's well connected and he's the best horse and he looks like getting the best run. I mean, that's, I, I get it. He certainly wasn't a nomination for the Bizarro. Definitely not. No. And I must, it feels like James Cummings, when he's had these days, he's had days of in the last sort of six to 12 months where he's, He's had big days. He's targeted big days, and when he has, he's he's hit the mark pretty reliably. And he t- he turns up here with Animo and in secret. He's had Afcabin make a big big start to his campaign last week. He feels on. He'll be bringing out the big hat collection. Be interesting to see. I'd love to see him go for a fedora. Is that the gauge on <laughs> Saturday? Depending what hat, what hat he rolls out with is how confident he is that he's going to get the win. <laughs> maybe maybe you could just about lure me into odds on if I see him turn up in a what about like Indian chief tribal. Headwear. If he turned up in that, I, I think you'd have the bank. That's, that, that would be something. <laughs> um, it's interesting that El Bodegon is in the market because I don't see 1400 for him at all. Um, and again, he would be shorter than that if you priced him up to anything like his best form. But I think you've, you've got to be harder on him than that. You can't forecast him being near his top, can you? This reeks of whoever runs the fastest last 600 will be a winner in the trainer's mind. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what they're out to do, isn't it? Um, the one, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of. As I said, I just don't see a lot of betting interest in in the race overall. I think it's priced up pretty iffy, and none of the. Yeah, no, I just don't see any any juice. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't blame you whatsoever. And another one, there might not be a bit of juice about is Jackano, and yeah. he's going to come up as the Bizarro this weekend in the CF or Stakes. Currently favourite. And there's a bit of a gap between him and the rest of the market. And Blinks, you don't believe that's correct? Yeah, I think, well, we want to keep it around the features as well. And I don't think in Sydney you couldn't claim that, as I said, Animo or um, In Secret were false favourites. You can argue and quibble about the price, and I will. <laughs> but um, they're certainly not false favourites. I think you can make a case that Jack and O is a, a false favourite. Um, we gave him flop of the week. We were hoping it was going to go the other way. For his return and, and did say – we made the point three-year-olds have a great record here. I understand that. Um, and we also made the case as to why he was the flop of the week and why he's you know, he, he scrambled in against much, much lesser opposition first up. But it does – but there was a reason for it and that was largely pace-related and he's expected to explode off that. But he's priced up as if he absolutely is going to explode off that and run – if not to you know, if not his golden rose Everest figure better than that, I think that's I think where he's priced up is optimistic. Even though, as I said, three year olds have a good record here. He's a good horse. I runs on the board. Bad map, not bad. You know, his thunderstruck should be shorter than him. I would have thought for for body of work. While I concede all of thunderstruck's faults, all of which lie in the first six hundred meters of the race. Yeah, by the sounds of it, listening to Mick Price on radio this week. He's very concerned about the draw with Jackano and he's just with more... With Jackano? Yeah, he's hoping that... He was saying along the lines of Damien Lane's going to need a, need to weave a bit of magic. Really? To get him out of the position that could be a bit woeful <laughs> through, okay. through the... Uh, well, I've put the woeful on there but because oh, okay. I can't remember it word for word. But he pretty much said that D-Lane will need to be at his best and I'm Thunderstruck will 
probably flop from that barrier, barrier nine, as he usually does. So that's a concern. So this is a – I find this interesting. Oh, that's his pattern and that's who he is, Thunderstruck. If you're a football team and you kept getting jumped in the first quarter and then rattling home and losing, you'd probably start to say we need to improve our first quarters. And I think reaching for Jamie Carr is, is an attempt to do that, I would have thought, to you know, change it up a little bit, throw Jamie on and, and say, okay, let's be closer. Or it's not necessarily about being closer, but it's let's let's not give the race up in that first six hundred meters because he's a strong finisher. And if you it's Super Bowl week, I was looking, I was listening to this thing about um, you know, player props and things. You know, I love all that stuff and the derivatives of more efficient markets and more established markets. If you used Animo's price and came up with Thunderstruck's price here as a derivative of that like some of these guys are doing in the US, which is pretty cool stuff. You're going to do a Super Bowl podcast? You want to get a promotion? Are you doing that? Or James will do that. I'm assuming Bucko and the punters pod will do that. Definitely tune in. If I get a, if I get a call up, I'll be there, but <laughs> he may have someone better. Yeah, if it, it's interesting though because the, the price would be too big because he was, you'd have to say, he he was running late, doing so much running late. He was terrific in both the Caulfield Stakes and the Cox Plate behind Animo and a match for Animo. Um, it's just that it's just his first quarters. When they bounce the ball, he's got to be on his toes and he's got to get going. And I think he's got a great jockey and smart trainers that have switched to that. So I'd be disappointed if they just completely flop out. I think it's a bit of a sand down trap as well. He'd be so happy to get away from Caulfield because Caulfield punishes what he, you know, his biggest weakness. He's got this big, long straight to random up in. Yeah, see, that's the the problem is they think, oh, we've got, le-, but physics doesn't work like that. You've still got, you know, if you just sit sit back and say, oh, we've got so much time, you don't have time if they're running 32 and change home. You don't have any time. They won't be doing that because Gentleman Roy will be um, among those making sure that this is fairly honest. Tuvalu can be handy and Chirath can be handy. Um, so I think we get something like a fair test, but it's still, he doesn't want to be giving them a huge head start. I think there's some nice horses here, but I think on, you know, I'm even being a little bit, I see value in him at, at bigger than $4 and I'm not even marking him at his, you know, I'm not even expecting him to be at his absolute best. And I'm being kind to Jackano. The other one I show some value on is Mr. Brightside, who I, I suppose he's priced the way he is with slight map concerns as well. Would that be why he's priced that way? Probably. I assume they're going to do... I assume people will think that he's going to do much the same as Thunderstruck, just slightly worse. Concede and hopefully run home strongly with the night of the that. future. He doesn't have to do that. And he was a good, fresh winner. 1,400. Then he won at the mile at the Valley, first and second up, last preparation. You know, there might not have been this sort of opposition, not quite this sort of opposition, but he was fairly dynamic in those wins. And his best form is terrific. He looks a little under, I think he looks a little undersold here. But it's clearly, to me, that the way the early market is, and it's only slight, but the way that they've differentiated Tuvalu and, and Mr. Brightside seems very much map-related. I could probably make a case. I love Gentleman Roy, but I would make it. He, he's purely map-priced. Um, he looks more like a 14s chance to me. So he's probably in the Jackano camp of being a little bit bizarre to me. Well, he's not. he can't be bizarre because I know why. That's not what the bizarro is all about, is it? The bizarro is I, we don't get it. Um, but, yeah, anyway... We're rambling on now, but Jackano has run well below the level he'll require to win this on either side of a break and just needs to go bang and spike and produce it. Good stable, but it'll be that's a training performance to do that. Just turn it on. You can turn the tap on. Is it that easy? I'm not quite sure, but I think the fact that people 
we'll have an idea of how this race is going to play out right from the get-go is... I don't like that. Probably another reason why <laughs> these things are happening. They all believe that Tuvalu and Gentleman Roy roll forward and the map will just oh, fall no. in from that. And oh, no. I guess that plays into Tuvalu's hands, right? Surely. Yeah, and we had a terrific spring. I just don't see a lot of value in that price. I don't think it's a, actually. I'll, I'll say this: it's not the worst price in the race. Five fifty-six, maybe a bit better than that. I, I think others are worse, but um, no, I don't. I don't see anything in that. Do you have any word on Nugget? He was. Pretty good through the summer. He's had a terrific summer, but he looks very well found for it there. Um, he's a really nice horse. Could he improve again? He's winning. He's spiralling. Well, no, I shouldn't say spiralling. Maybe my little knock on Nugget is that he was, he's was he been really good in Australia, but they've all been about the same level. He's gone bang, 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 and I'm not expecting that level to, to win this. I would think he would need to either improve, most likely, or have Thunder, Brightside, Tuvalu all, all tip off and Jackano not explode as the market seems to think he will i'm sure jack and o will improve i think the truth from you know the price i'm looking at and the price that the market has him i think the truth we're probably both wrong the truth is probably in the middle somewhere but um i tell you what it'll be damn interesting tell you what hopefully he's charging towards the right finish line this time <laughs> we knows where it is he, he, i just hope when they whisper in his ear which one he knows he needs to find the correct post one bizarro as well that can get an audible mention is Sunshine in Paris in the Light Fingers, six dollar fifty second elect. We didn't make her the complete bizarre due to the fact she's second favourite, but again, it's a bit of what are you doing there? It's an optimistic take, isn't it? She was fantastic the other day, but a long way down the pecking order from this, and needs to. She's being priced up to take a big jump as well. Uh, the difference is Jackano has been close. She's got to do something she hasn't done before. She probably will. She's beaten, you know, winners have come out from behind her last start and that was, she won with some swagger. But she's um, she's priced up in there amongst established group fillies. So are we, so the market is tipping a bit of a changing of the guard, bar in secret, who was obviously a fantastic Coolmore winner. Is it the old bar chat where you go, who are you taking? Sunshine in Paris and for she's Fireburn? A, she's very trendy, Sunshine in Paris, whereas to be hanging on to the embers of Fireburn is not very cool. I don't know if there's embers there, though. I, you think they've gone out? No, I think they're, oh, you think? I think they're still aflame. I, she's stoking along nicely. Stoking yeah. along nicely. I I haven't given up hope on Fireburn. I think she, um, I'm told, by both you and Sydney's leading trial watcher, Simon Thomas, that she's trialled really, really well. Um, behind Nature Strip, that's trial form. I thought she was okay without ever really hitting her straps in the spring and a little bit of rain around. But Do- this is what they were her. coming for, though. They were, remember, after she won the Golden Slipper, they said one run in the spring, depending on how she goes, and then into the autumn. She's ended up having three. Their eyes have always been to the autumn. I'm not sure what their targets are, obviously, the Phillies group ones along the way, but they've always had an eye to the autumn. And I guess, as you said, a little bit of rain around, that's only going to help her. Mm. And it would be remiss of us not to mention North Star Lass. Yep. For the boss. Well-owned. Well-owned by the chief of well, racing and sports, Mr. Recru- Gary Crisp. Recruited nicely. And she has a she is very straightforward, North Star Lass, and she has a very straightforward chance here. She's got all the uh, on-pace favours. I think In Secret is a more talented filly than her, but North Star Lass is... 
exactly the type to catch a talented one out if they're not playing for absolute keeps within secret. But again, she is priced up in secret like she's here. Um, so again, I don't see any value in that price from a betting point of view. In fact, and a, a bit like the other feature, a bit like the Apollo, the, the little bits that I have that spit out differently for me, um, I find slightly unappealing. Fireburn, we've already, we're just rattling on about Fireburn. I like her, but I I like her. I don't think that's a bad price, but I'm not exactly desperate to take it. Madame Pomery is priced up like she's just having a spin around, and that's probably true. The um, I have to, to get her to that price, Madame Pomery, and not shorter. I have to ignore the 1,000 guineas, and I think that's what the betting is doing, and I think the betting is probably right. I think we just ignore that that run, and if, if not, then, yeah, she's a 14's chance, I suppose. She's a belter's about the same. Maybe, maybe if there's a bet there, it's it's the map angle with with North Star Lass and and just being a good solid. Catch me if you can. Yeah, she's she's cards are face up. She's good filly. Um, that might be her angle, but it's two good group twos and probably two betting passes for me, which is pretty sad. Bit disappointing, but when you get two odds on chances, that's usually mm. the way to go. And the ones that obviously look like they're going to win, but the Carline Cup. Comes up as the Dunno race eight at Sandown. Do you want me to rattle off the Dunno's at Sandown? Because I Dunno a lot. Well, let's give all, <laughs> let's give out some honourable mentions. This is probably true every week, but I Dunno. <laughs> Much the same here, but let's give off some honourable mentions before we dive into the Carline Cup for about three minutes and we continue to say we don't know. Mm, all right, off the top. Mr Maestro, he's been priced up as if he's not here to play at all. His spring form was competitive with all of those. Others have more upside. He's more established, but I Dunno. Uh, the Rubiton, the 1,100-metre Oakley plate trial, is a huge dunno. Rocketing by was terrific at big odds at the back of last preparation and now priced up like that didn't really happen. But I dunno. So, again, I, I could probably – I could easily mark him a lot shorter than the, the betting is rocketing by, but it doesn't feel right to me. Marine won similar. He's been off for a year having won this last year, but pff, dunno. He's backed off the map to win this last year. Um. And they didn't miss. And those colours were not missing at that time. Um, Uncommon James is, I think, a, a really... Well, I don't even think he absolutely is a very good horse. Uh, first up, little setback. Priced up as if no issue. We're here, here to play. I think that's probably fair enough, but I'd have to err on the side of Dunno. Chain of Lightning, I don't really know. Argentia, I still don't think she's a sprinter. Dunno. So that whole race, like, in the bin you go. Dunno. And uh, it still doesn't get the done over the week. There's a Japanese filly in the in a handicap called Sparkle who has bits of form that win, and I'm told she's jumped out really well, so she's healthy. Uh, she's sort of seven or eight dollars, and she's one of those ones I, th- I'm I'm about the same, but I can see a scenario where she's way shorter than that against a few horses who are potentially starting to run on fumes. But phew, I don't know. Well, I think Sparkle comes through the same jump out as Mr. Brightside, finished behind him. Mm. Yeah, jumping out around the right horses and clearly healthy. And if she's healthy, she has numbers in Japan that should fit right in. She's well handicapped if she's if she's fit and healthy. So um, she could be an outstanding bet, Sparkle, but you could just be burning cash. I don't know. And that's, I guess, hence a honorary Dunno mention. Is that tied into Danny O'Brien as well? It's a bit of a Dunno, isn't it? He's not a betting stable. He's a... You know, he, he targets big races. He's got a reasonable record of – he's always there knocking off a big race and feature races, but he's not necessarily a prolific winner on the way through. 
Would that be fair to say? I think he's a I think he's a hard one for punters. So it is a dunno. And then the dunno of them all is this potential good thing in the Carline Cup. Sunshine rising, but good thing if I price him up as if Hong Kong did happen. Not such a good thing and just one of a range of chances in yet another dunno race, the Carline Cup. Uh, one of just a range of chances on his two Australian runs, but little break, two months, nice winning, very nice trial, I must say. Sunshine rising, I saw that. Uh, an absolute gun booked from a good draw. Mark Newnham comes to Melbourne. Mark Newnham to me is methodical. He's not just sort of having a fly at things. He's a, he's a man with a plan. So could Sunshine, can we use Sunshine Rising's Hong Kong form form around good horses in Hong Kong. If you flick through the book, you'll see some famous names. Names like G60, there's a bit of Beauty Generation and Exultant in there. Waikuku, he's no oh, slouch. The mighty Waikuku. Um, yeah, if you price him up off that uh, and you're soft on a few horses who deserve to be treated that way, I think. A few horses that are... You know, Smoking Romans was terrific in the spring. Is he here to play first up? It's a bit of a dunno, isn't it? Not you re- didn't it's not really been his, his jam, but... I never liked him, but at the same time, he turns up here and he's that form is absolutely in the game here. I was going to say, you didn't even believe him in the spring. I didn't, but uh, he fronts up here. Young Werther, what a dunno he is. He got one win from 15, but he's run some good races. His Cox Plate run is popping off the page there, but first, you've got to treat him more. The first up version is different, and he, as I said, he doesn't do a lot of winning. Mankayan's interesting, pounding's flying. Yeah, as I said Sunshine Rising is a real dunno because he looks he looks potentially lethal to me if they're ready to um if he's ready to do something different to what he did in his two runs in Sydney. And there's nothing wrong with those two runs, but if he is ready to do something different, he could be a um he could be a very, very likely winner of that race. He could catch a lot of horses on the hop. He looks Josh, I don't know the horse by any means. Never met him. <laughs> but Looking at the way that his form is playing out, he could be a, a bit of an unsound horse. I mean, he's had one, two, three runs since more December 2019, mm. 413-day spell, then a nearly two-year spell before turning up with Mark Newnham. I will give Mark Newnham credit. He is a good trainer of both getting re- horses ready for Hong Kong, and we've seen even most recently with Joyful Fortune where he can turn them around and get them back from Hong Kong and get him winning races. So I wouldn't be surprised, as you said, if he comes out and can do something. And the fact that he rocks up here probably has Mark Newnham thinking he's better than this. He's here at the right time of the year. Well, I think he is potentially better than what this race is going to require. Uh, He absolutely is. His best Hong Kong figures are are terrific. He's a, he's a, wow. He's, you'd almost say he's an Australian cup hope if he's, if his Hong Kong figures are there to be reproduced, but they are from a long we're talking, we're back in 2019. <laughs> this is before Vincent was even yeah, riding Golden so, 60. Yeah, yeah. So he's had that one run. He didn't run in 2020 and then he had that one run in 2021, which was behind G60. And again, a, a figure that makes him so interesting here, but almost surely irrelevant. 670 days to the two runs in Sydney, which are obviously far more relevant. But this is why he's a dunno. He's a nine-year-old with issues but very much capable and in the right hands. So Mark Newnham, I had a look at this in Melbourne because I had a feeling that Mark Newnham was quite sharp in Melbourne and then when I pulled up the stats for a couple of years, I was slightly disappointed, four from 28. 
I, th- I thought he was a bit better than that. And then I noticed, you know, not that I'm having a dig, it's just that four from 28 and it was about, you know, he's returning about what he should return. Um, but then I noticed that from his la- three of those four wins have come in his last 10 runs and they're the 10 that he's brought down this season. So maybe he's um, he's figured it all out. The penny's all dropped with this travelling south business. He's done it 10 times this season for three winners and he might do it for a fourth. What, have we got a have you got a market there? What price yep. is he? Four dollars eighty currently. Corner pocket is the favourite there. Three dollars fifty. Pounding seven dollars. Crosshaven ten dollars. Anything there? No, they're all very established, and none of that really looks out of line. Mm, it, it is an interesting race, but I think the whole race. If I think you can be you can be a little bit dismissive of Smoke and Romans. I think that's a, a fair thing to do. You can be a little bit dismissive of, of young Verter amongst others who have good ratings. So you've got pounding and and corner pocket as the sort of fitting up and going, and they're the ones that's the bar to leap. And I'm looking at Sunshine Rising and thinking you're very much someone who can leap it. But I don't know. There are enough knocks to uh, keep me out, and so I would have loved to. He's exactly the sort of horse that I would probably try and scribble up as my best of the week. But I had to concede that I didn't know enough, and I passed. And I'm uh, so my best. I'm moving on to best now. I, I was, was, was going to ask enough. you a question before. Okay, well, ask me a question. I was going to say, if, out of all the Dunno's, there's a lot of them. He's he's the one that you he's would say chief Dunno. The chief Dunno. No, he's very um, he's very interesting, and I and I really don't know. I really don't know. And as I said, it was a it was a strong heat at Sandown this week. There are some there are some horses that take some, and it is this time of year as well. A lot of horses kicking off for the first time over. You know, we've got what, four months of Group One mayhem from this weekend on, pretty much. Um, so a lot of horses have targets a long way down the line, and and very few are uh, set their entire campaign around All Stakes Day and Apollo Stakes Day. So it does make for um, some tricks and traps, if you like. But, um, yeah, so not unusual that there's a lot of Dunno's on this weekend, but there sure is. I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to it. With that out of the way, we'll go back to your best bet. You were trying to roll into it before, before I rudely stopped you. Bloody rude, actually. Who are you? So where <laughs> are you a going? a perfect segue rolling. I'm um, assuming we're at Melbourne again this week. Contractually obliged, yes. Uh, Good. Just got to make sure. My best. I'm about to go and ride it up now. Um, I'm very tempted to, to make it Thunderstruck. Um. But the, the horse I see the most juice, the most value around on, on the card for me is Queen of the Ball. Uh, Queen of the Ball looks too big at 10 bucks, And I thought she, competitive Phillies race, Kevin Hayes, Group 3 level. But she's already picked a couple of these off in her time and she does it the right way. She gets Blake Shin and I love the draw for Blake Shin here. She's got pace and she can use it to full effect, I, I imagine. So first up, last preparation, she ran in the best Phillies race of the season so far behind Zugotcha and In Secret at the start of the spring up in Sydney. The figures were electric, and she set them up. Um, really, really good performance. And then she switched to Melbourne, got Blake, and went bang and won a Group 3. I think it's called the Champagne at uh, Mooney Valley. She won that really well, and so well, in fact, that the market completely overreacted and spun her around as a three-to-one chance in the Scalacci. That was a bit over the top. <laughs> Little market malfunction there. But um, she ran well again. I actually think she basically backed her, her figure up in, in that race, uh, running fifth of seven, but a, a good enough effort all the, all the same in a busy, messy sort, of, messy sort of race. And then I thought she was good again, carving it up on speed in the Coolmore, which was high pressure, and you paid the price for being on speed. So she's up there with Best of Bordeaux and Cool and Gatter, who are good 
good established three-year-olds at the at the sort of pointy end of the tree, if you like, and, and she's up there carving it with them and she yielded late, but they all did those ones on, on speed and, and in secret was strongest and put up, a, I think, a really good performance to win the Coolmore. I think that's a strong piece of form and, and she did her part in setting it up. So this is lengths easier, lengths. Um, and she comes up as sort of a general $10 chance and I think more like a four-to-one chance and that's even sort of, you know, being kind to, to a few. Doucet was pretty good the other day and if she backs that up, she'll, she'll give her something to, to think about and then there's a bundle of fillies. She dances as fit and flying but seems very well found. There's a lot of horses that are, are very similar. She's lickety spit's got ratings, but surely not for eleven hundred. I think it falls away quickly enough to to be pretty warm on on Queen of the Ball. I think she's under found there, given how well found she's been in better races than this. So, um, yeah, Queen of the Ball, Michael Friedman, I think's up and going a bit as well. His his numbers have later been really good. So targeted, they find the right guy to to do the steering, which you know, booking the guy who did the job for them in the past looks a Looks a plan, doesn't it? That, that looks by design. Um, and she's, yeah, as I said, I think she's slightly underrated. I think she's on established form so far, one of the better fillies in the country. You said that you like the draw for her, but many of people will see Barrier 12 and go, ooh. Yeah, this is this is basically a straight race. So we're rocketing down the sand downhill to the second winning post here. And, and yeah, she's got pace for, for Shin to have plenty of options. Oh, that just looks absolutely perfect for me. He doesn't have to. Um, he doesn't have to charge. He doesn't have to rush. But he can. He can roll, and that is a, a good scenario for Blake Shin. It's a good scenario. It's a good scenario for everyone. That's what it is. Well, Laced up heels is interesting in there as well. She's Perth filly, and there's a bit of Perth form. To Perth are there in force. They've got the the good two year old. It'd be really interesting to see. They've got the second two year old, the filly, and the which I don't know much about. I must admit, but. <laughs> The uh, headline horse is Brave Halo, the unbeaten two-year-old who's run fast figures in Perth and should measure up in the two-year-old. And um, well, they've still got Western Empire on a something of a recovery mission. Like, Ugh. where's where's he gone in six months? Um, uh, to the back of the field. What looks of things? He has. Those of us, the very forgiving, will will go and hang some credit on his sectionals of late in unsuitable races. He's going okay, but he's not anywhere near that railway win. So you sort of want to go back and think, wow, did we completely overrate that railway? But the form behind him is, you know, stacked on up. You know, that's he produced it on on that occasion. At that point in time, he was he was airborne, but he's gone backward since. I don't think he was okay in the spring. Without he was laying the platform when they gave up. Um, well, he's another Australian Cup horse too, right? I don't know what he is at right now. <laughs> throw him on that big list of Dano horses. I don't know what he is at the moment. I'll tell you what he is. He's a, he's a horse in need of a big run to get back to being interesting. He's ruining JLJ's strike rate in town. Yeah, I know. He was, was he? 98%. Jer- Jerome Hunter style statistics to start the season for Johnny Leak Jr. But unfortunately, Uncle Bob's turned up with all these blue bloods and he's fallen apart. Get back to wet track greys at Sandown midweeks. Get your stats back up. Uncle Bob's. Blue bloods are doing you no good. <laughs> have you got a uh, have you got a best? And where in the world are you taking us for this best? It took me a little while to find it. Didn't want to tip you up something too short, so I've gone two dollars seventy. That's okay as long as its chances are better than two dollars seventy. I like to think so. That's all the king's men in race seven at Ascot, the challenge stakes. He beat most of this field last time out at Binjara on the scarp side there, uh, and was a huge sectional markup as well. Nine pounds for that effort. Drew wide and had, or well, didn't have to go back, but they elected to. 
with Paul Harvey in the saddle. He'll stick today. Pontiff. He would draw. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I've pontiff. Come, the, you never heard Paul Harvey called the Pontiff? No, nah, I haven't heard him speak. Ah, you young blokes. Oh, he doesn't call himself the Pontiff. Well, you might do behind closed doors. <laughs> um, but yeah, drawn well. And should be able to sit a lot closer. He's sat closer from inside draws in many a run previously. As I said, he meets much the same field, so you can expect similar tactics where feels playful, rolled forward, and didn't set the clock alight. But if he's closer this time around, I think he can put him to the sword by even further, and $2.70 seems a pretty good price to me. Lovely. Astute judgment. I do spend my days forecasting. <laughs> But that'll wrap us up for the Pundits Preamble this weekend. Good weekend ahead. And I'm sure Simo and Blanks will be looking forward to getting back in the studio on Monday and dissecting it all once it's happened. Oh, yeah, can't wait. (laughs) 